0: The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research and traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host today, Don Marion. I'll be speaking with Amanda Gano. Ms. Gano is a physician assistant and TBI subject matter expert at TBI-COE. Amanda and I will discuss a study entitled Traumatic Brain Injury and Incidence Risk of Sleep Disorders in Nearly 200,000 U.S. Veterans. This is a study that was done by Yu Leng and colleagues and published in Neurology in March of 2021. Hi, Amanda, and thanks for bringing this article to our attention today. Could you tell us a little bit about this study?
1: Hi, Don. Sure. Uh, So this study examined the incidence of sleep disorders in a large cohort of veterans who had a history of traumatic brain injury compared to those who did not have a TBI. The study used data from the Veterans Health Administration, or VHA, health system and those who enrolled in the Comprehensive Traumatic Brain Injury Evaluation, or CTBIE, database and the VHA National Patient Care Databases from October 1st, 2001 to September 30th, 2015. So this was a large cohort. There were 98,709 veterans with TBI and 98,709 age-matched veterans without TBI included in this study with an average follow-up of five years and a range of one to 14 years.
0: Very interesting, Amanda. And I agree. Uh, That's really a large number of subjects in the study compared to a lot of studies we've reviewed before. Um, Could you tell our listeners, though, what the difference between the CTBIE database and the NPCD database is uh, so they have an idea of where this information was obtained? And a follow-up question, could the same patient be in both databases?
1: Yeah, sure. So the CTBIE database is the national database of Iraq and Afghanistan era veterans who have enrolled in VHA healthcare and have completed a comprehensive TBI exposure survey. The CTBIE helps determine whether there was a TBI, its severity, and symptoms associated with TBI. The investigators in this study also used patients that were diagnosed with TBI in national patient care databases, and these were diagnosed by a comprehensive list of ICD-9 codes in the electronic health record. And actually, Don, the majority of the patients in this cohort came from the national patient care database. Um, of the final sample, there were about 6,000 patients, so Only 3% were from the CTBIE database and 92.7% were from the National Patient Care Databases. And then to answer your earlier question, about 8,000 patients or 4.3% were actually in both databases. So yes, the patients can be in both databases.
0: Okay, thanks, Amanda. So how was the study done? So
1: again, this was a longitudinal cohort study. You know, they excluded all participants with a diagnosis of sleep disorders at or before their baseline index date. The investigators then included veterans with at least one year of follow-up, then age-matched patients with TBI one-to-one to those without TBI. The investigators then determined TBI severity as mild, moderate, or severe as defined by the DODVA definition of TBI. Newly diagnosed sleep disorders were defined through outpatient ICD-9 codes for insomnia, hypersomnia disorders, and narcolepsy sleep-related breathing disorders, and sleep-related movement disorders. The group also analyzed demographics and medical and psychiatric comorbidities. So these comorbidities were included if they were diagnosed at baseline or within two years before baseline. And they included hypertension, diabetes, cerebrovascular disease, and myocardial infarction. And psychiatric disorders included anxiety, mood disorder, so dysthymia, depression, bipolar disorder, PTSD, tobacco use, and substance abuse. The group then performed an analysis to determine the hazard ratio of sleep disorders in the TBI versus the no-TBI groups, and they controlled for demographics and comorbid medical and psychiatric conditions.
0: Uh, It sounds very comprehensive. So what did they find?
1: So participants had a mean age of 49 plus or minus 20 years at baseline, so large age range, and only 11.7% were women. Of the patients with TBI, 49.6% were mild TBI cases. Veterans with a history of TBI were less likely to be women and were more likely to have comorbid conditions. In particular, those with TBI were much more likely than those without TBI to have psychiatric conditions, including mood disorders at 22.4% in the TBI group versus 9.3% in the no TBI group, anxiety at 10.5% versus 4.4%, PTSD, at 19.5% versus 4.4%, substance abuse at 11.4% versus 5.2%, and smoking or tobacco use with 13.5% in the TBI group versus 8.7% in the no TBI group. Over the course of an average of five years follow-up, 23.4% of veterans with TBI developed sleep disorders, while 15.8% of those without TBI developed sleep disorders. After the group adjusted for age, sex, race, education, and income, they found that those who had TBI were 50% more likely to develop any sleep disorder compared to those without TBI. So this was a hazard ratio of one5 After further adjustment for medical and psychiatric disorders, the hazard ratio for developing sleep disorders was 1.41. So notably the association with the incidence of sleep disorders was generally stronger for mild TBIs than it was for moderate or severe TBIs which I found really interesting Don So the group believes that this might be due to the different brain injury mechanism specifically mild TBIs you know often involve repetitive concussive or subconcussive injuries such as sports injuries or blast injury in military personnel and this type of damage is more likely to cause diffuse axonal injury and inflammation where moderate or severe TBI is often due to a direct blow with more focal but severe damage. So the symptoms and sequela of mild TBI and more severe TBIs may differ.
0: But just to be clear, uh, Amanda, that's kind of speculation, right? There isn't scientific proof of that association, correct?
1: No, this is just how the group decided to explain that.
0: Yeah, okay. So I assume that those with TBI and PTSD had the highest incidence of sleep disorders.
1: Actually, the incidence of sleep disorders was not higher for mild TBI patients with PTSD compared to those without PTSD. So that was interesting.
0: So uh, what were the limitations of the study, Amanda?
1: You know, well, Don, as described, this group used ICD-9 codes and electronic health records to define TBI and sleep disorders. So there's always a potential for coding error there. The investigators admit that sleep disorders may have been underdiagnosed in the medical records and severe sleep problems were more likely to be captured. Also, as with, you know, any other study using electronic health records, cases are only defined when the patient actually visits the clinic and receives a diagnosis by a physician. Additionally, all veterans were identified within the VHA healthcare system, so the results might not be generalizable to civilians or to those receiving care outside of the VHA system. And you know, as with a lot of these military studies, the majority of the patients in the cohort were men, so it's unclear whether these findings can be applied
0: to women as well. So uh, finally, Amanda, what do you want the primary care doc to take away from this?
1: Yeah, so this study is really the first to look at the incidence of sleep disorder after TBI versus the prevalence of sleep disorders in the acute phase. And I think the findings are really important. TBI COE recognizes the challenge of treating sleep disorders after TBI and updated our sleep clinical recommendation in 2020. Uh, Providers who are assessing patients with a history of TBI should really be aware of the increased risk of developing sleep disorders, especially insomnia, hypersomnia, sleep apnea, and sleep-related movement disorders, and shouldn't hesitate to screen those patients for these problems early to promote early detection and intervention and prevent long-term consequences of untreated sleep disorders. For more information on the treatment of sleep disorders after TBI, please find our sleep clinical recommendation in our provider resources available at health.mil slash TBI
0: I think that's great advice, Amanda. So thanks for bringing this article to our attention. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Venny White and was hosted today by me, Don Marion. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a division of the Research and Development Directorate, J-9, of the Defense Health Agency, led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.